listening to the Business of Baking podcast with Michelle Green, the small business podcast that's all about successfully running your own sweet food company without losing your mind. If you've ever brought dessert to a party and been told you can make a fortune selling those, then you're in the right place. This is an honest, straight-talking podcast about the highs and lows of being in small business. Fueled by late nights, crazy client stories, and a permanent sugar high, we're going to listen, share, and learn our way to sweet business success. Here's your host, writer, speaker, recovering cake decorator, and incurable sweet tooth, Michelle Green. Hey there, welcome to the Business of Baking podcast. It's Michelle. I don't know who else it would be, really. I always feel weird when I introduce myself, like, hey, it's Michelle. Yeah. And who else might be the host of the show? So on today's episode, I'm actually answering a question that came from one of the listeners of this podcast. I sent out a request, oh, like six months ago now, saying, hey, did you want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Or did you want me to talk about something specific? And I got this beautiful question that I've not had the opportunity to answer until now. But I should say before I jump into this question that you are more than welcome at any time to email me or PM me on various social media channels and say, hey, Michelle, I'd really love it if you interviewed this person or if you talked about that topic. I'm really, really happy to hear suggestions from you guys on what you want to hear. I've got this year partially planned out. I've got about two thirds of the season planned out, but there's about a third with empty spots in it that inspiration will strike eventually, or you guys will tell me some interesting stuff that you'd like to hear. I'm always, always, always happy to hear it. So here's the question that I got. I've just changed the grammar a little bit so that it refers to I because it was just easier, but here was her question. She wanted to know what kept me in business for 10 years why would I continue and why did I decide it was time to end it? And what was that process of ending it all about? She wanted a personal account of what life was like for me throughout the life cycle of my business, which I thought was like a really interesting topic because on the one hand, I'm like, well, you just want to hear about my life. That's not all that exciting. But I also realized I don't think I've ever talked about the lifestyle of that business or sorry, the life cycle of that business and how that all went down. And Yeah, it was actually kind of a fascinating question. Like maybe in telling this story in a little bit more detail, some of you will find something to be inspired by or you'll find something interesting or I'm just hanging out talking and you're not really listening while you're busy making sugar flowers. But either way, I thought this was a topic that was worth talking about. So let me tell you briefly about the life cycle of the business. So the name of my business was Three Sweeties. It has since I sold it and then it got sold a second time. So if you go Google it, you will not find me or any of my work. You'll find whoever the current owner is. And I honestly got no idea who that is. So that's kind of the intro is that it was called Three Sweeties and I loved it for so long. And yes, people used to ask me all the time if three women owned it. And no, we don't. So I started out my business from home. I started it completely illegally. I did it part-time while I was chefing for other people and I was totally clueless. So I had a little bit of insider knowledge because I'm a chef and so I knew about like food safety and that I had to register my kitchen and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of running a business, oh man, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And my chefing work was pretty much full-time. So I say that the business was part-time, but... That assumes I was kind of doing one and a half businesses, right? And I was unbelievably excited to start the business, like crazy excited to start. But I was really unsure of the future and where it was going. Like so many of you guys, I got into business because other people were like, you're amazing. You should so sell those. You would make a fortune. All this kind of encouraging jazz. And so 
that's kind of how I went about it. Like, you know, somebody said to me, oh, I've got a friend who needs wedding cupcakes. I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. Oh my God, no idea. I was buying stuff at the supermarket. I was like renting stuff. You know, if you listen to last year's season of the podcast, I talk about like 10 really stupid things I did in the beginning of my business. Yeah, there was a lot of those at this stage. But as I went on, I became very aware that I could not work from home. And so firstly, my municipality doesn't allow it. And secondly, I didn't want to work from home. I definitely didn't enjoy working from home and the mess it made. And remember that I was wrangling two-year-old toddler triplets at the time. So it wasn't really conducive to working at home either. So I very quickly got out of home and I found a commercial kitchen. It's about a 10 or 15 minute drive from home, not very far. And it was, the business kind of went to that next stage of getting legal. So I had the kitchen registered and, you know, I got all the social media sites happening, although that wasn't such a big thing then. But I, you know, registered the domain name, that kind of stuff. And I was still working as a chef, though as the business grew, I chefed less. So I was still chefing quite a bit, but as time went on in that commercial kitchen, I was chefing a lot. And initially I was really only working in the cake business, sort of like Friday, Saturday, or even maybe a little bit of Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So it was still a part-time gig, although I was paying rent and I had a proper kitchen going. And to be honest, I was just figuring stuff out as I went. One of the things I remember from that time is it was just at the start of the cupcake craze. And I remember getting a phone call from a lady going like, hi, I was interested in ordering cupcakes. I'd never baked a cupcake in my life at that point. And I certainly didn't know what to charge for it. And I had no idea. I don't know anything about cupcakes. It was all about the cake, you know? And she was like, I'm just wondering, like, what do you charge for a cupcake? And I just like blurted out, oh, I charge $5 each. Which is ridiculous. It was ridiculous then. It's ridiculous now. Like that's a ridiculous amount of money unless it's some massive cupcake. <laughs> like five bucks a cupcake is crazy. But I didn't know what else to say. I just like kind of blurted stuff out, which to be fair is probably how I ran that whole business that whole time. Anytime anybody asked me for anything, I just blurted stuff out and hoped for the best pretty much. So I went on to make literally, I think, you know, 100,000 cupcakes, if not more than that, you know, tens of thousands of cupcakes, a lot of cupcakes but I was just figuring it out. And the next stage of that business was still in the commercial kitchen, but I was chefing a lot less. So rather than do the business Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was doing the business Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I was chefing kind of Sunday, Monday, or sometimes Sunday, Monday, and half of Tuesday. But it became a lot more about the business and a lot less about the chefing. And the chefing was good. It kept my family afloat, and it meant that any money that I earned in the business, I could plow back into the business, which was really good. But at this stage, I started to get pretty clear about wanting to grow. I became a lot more clear about wanting a shop front. I became a lot more clear about the fact that I was going to sell this business someday. And I became a lot more clear about what the business was. So I went from like making literally anything anybody asked for to getting a lot more clear about the fact that I didn't like wedding cakes. I didn't like things that were all white and pretty and ooh, look at this beautiful flower. Like sugar flowers to me are stunningly beautiful and I never want to make one, really. So I became a lot clearer at this stage about so many things, about that I wanted to move to a shop front, that I wanted to sell someday, the products I wanted to make and I was happy to make. I just started to get really clear about growth and I started to hire help at this point as well. And then we grew out of that commercial kitchen. So the final stage before sale for me was that I moved the business into a storefront. Now, it was not a retail storefront, so you couldn't like walk in and buy anything off the shelf. 
There was not like cabinets or whatever. So you'd probably call it more of a cake studio, but it was on a high street and there was street frontage and people could walk in whenever they wanted to. They just couldn't buy very much really. So I was doing it when I moved to the storefront, I decided to give up chefing hundred percent and I was doing it full time. So 100% full time working in that business and moving into the new uh, frontage allowed me to start teaching. It allowed me to hire way more employees. It allowed me to explore a whole bunch of other business opportunities, like hosting other teachers, like doing stuff for big corporates. It really, that move to that storefront situation or that studio situation absolutely skyrocketed my business like crazy because I suddenly could do things like rent out stands and sell edible images. And, you know, I could travel to teach because I had enough employees that could look after the place. And it really got to the stage where everything just exploded in the nicest possible way. And towards the end of my time there, I started the business of baking blog and I started those classes on how to run a cake business for three hours at a hundred bucks. I'd love to find somebody who went to that class. Actually, if you're listening to this and you've been a fan of mine since those days, I would totally love it if you sent me an email and told me your impression of that class. So that class was a three hour how to run a cake business class. I originally charged a hundred dollars for it. I taught them pricing, I taught them marketing, and I taught them a little bit about having a purpose for your business. And to be honest, not much has changed between now and then. I charge more and the classes go longer, but I still cover those three topics. I just talk about them in a lot more detail and there's now other topics. So the last stage of the business, when I left it, it was running pretty well. We had a couple of employees. I think at that point, I had sort of three full-time. And then during the crazy season, we used to get a couple of part-timers in. And, you know, we had six different forms of income and we were making a lot of cake, teaching a lot of classes and hosting a lot of people. But I decided that I was going to sell it. And if you've not heard this story, the story is that I wanted to sell the business by the time I turned 40 because I had a major thing about not wanting to be standing in a kitchen at age 40. My back couldn't take it firstly, but also emotionally, I didn't want to do it. And I actually ended up selling the business when I was 38 and a half. So it's, you know, an interesting experience for sure. And I had the blog to fall back on. And so I used some of the money from the sale of the business to pay me a salary as a blogger. And I thought I'm going to give this six months. And if this doesn't work, then I will move on to something else. Yeah. So I couldn't have predicted then what the blog would turn into now. And certainly I cannot predict what's going to happen next, but it was a really big, but amazing, super amazing leap. Yeah. So I left the business when things were going well, but not brilliantly, the industry had started to explode in a huge way. Lots more people were getting into it. It was becoming very unprofessional, which I didn't love. And I was having a lot of coffees with people who wanted to know how I made it all work. Yeah, that was that. So when I left the business, I was working in it full time. I had other people working in it full time. And that's, you know, it's kind of like, what's that expression? Like leave at the top or leave when the going is good or whatever top of your game sort of thing. But here's some kind of interesting things that happened in the life cycle of that business, right? So going from home to going to the commercial kitchen to going to the commercial kitchen and chefing a lot less to moving to that commercial storefront to the blogging. I learned that I liked the business a lot more than I liked the product. And I sort of got that earlier on that I like to admit, to be honest. 
So it was one of those things that like I got into it because I love decorating, right? Decorating is super fun. It's both an intellectual exercise and a creative exercise. And I really, really loved it. But pretty quickly, I learned that my true love was not in the craft. My love was in the running of the business. And so I kind of knew from early on that this wasn't going to be forever. I knew pretty early on that I was not going to be a cake decorator in my 50s. You know, I just wasn't the life I wanted. And there was a couple of reasons for that. One, like I said, I really prefer the business to the product. I still love product, by the way, but I preferred the business to the product. One of the things for me was the mental stimulation piece of it. So once that business was up and running and it was kind of well and truly became about the maintenance, it became not as exciting for me. So it was not mentally stimulating because I wasn't growing anything. I was just running it. And it's not that that wasn't hard. It was. But what was missing was the kind of learning piece. So I... I'm somebody who loves to learn new things and I love to take on new skills and I love to try new stuff. And I kind of lost that as the business went on and it ran better and better and the marketing worked better and better. And I learned to deal with employees better and better. I kind of lost that mental stimulation part of it. And once it got to the stage, it was like, oh, another day, another cake. I really wasn't interested in staying there forever. And that became more and more and more clear as time went on. So one of the questions she asked is, why did I stick with it? 10 years is a long time to be in, you know, any kind of business really. So why did I stick with it? And in thinking about this, I came up with probably about five or six different reasons why I stuck with it. And the first one is going to be yeah, saying it makes me feel a little bit, now I'm just going to say it. So one of the reasons I stuck with it was to prove that I could do it. So I've told stories before about how my parents come from Middle Eastern background and they really wanted me to grow up and be like a doctor, lawyer engineer, accountant kind of thing. And I didn't want to do any of those things. And by choosing hospitality as a career and food as a career and owning my own business as a career, my parents, they were supportive in their own way, but it wasn't what they wanted for me as a child. And so it became the kind of thing where I stayed in it to prove to them and to prove to myself that I could do it and I could make a success of it. It was really like a bit of a flipping them off, like, ha ha, no, 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 I told you I could do it sort of thing. So there was a certain... Yeah. One of the reasons I stayed in it was just to prove I could and just to kind of irritate them and be proud of me and be like, ha, I don't have to be the thing you told me to be. I can in fact go and do my own thing and do okay with this. So that was one of them. Another reason I stayed with it for so long is that it suited my personality. So it suited my personality in that I was growing it all the time and I loved the stimulation of that, but also the nature of what we did suited my personality. So I get bored pretty easily. And think about this. Every week, the orders are different because they were all custom made. There was never a week the orders were the same. It was constantly like learning how to do armature or learning how to, you know, smooth buttercream or learning how to whatever. There was a constant varied week. I know from one week, I was learning how to do royal icing cookies. And the next week, I was learning how to do, you know, some sort of 3D spinning thing or whatever. So it suited my personality to have constant varied things. And the other part of that is, you know, when you walk into a kitchen on a Tuesday and you have, oh, this list of like 10 cakes we got to make, I flippin' loved crossing stuff off that list. I am hugely competitive. I'm hugely goal-oriented. And so to get to cross those things off was like, woo -hoo! So part of why I stayed in it is suited my personality to stay in it, right? 
another reason I carried on with it is because it gave me a huge amount of flexibility around my kids. So yes, it's true that I didn't see my son play basketball for like a couple of years there. And there were times when I had to, you know, the kids would complain and I would have to take them with me to deliveries and they didn't want to go. And plenty of times when I took my kids wearing their various sport or dance uniforms to deliveries with me. But it still gave me that flexibility. And because I was so close to home, I could do things where like I'd work in the shop all day, I'd come home, cook dinner, feed the kids, put them to bed, and then go back to the shop for a couple of hours. So it really gave me a very flexible life. It wasn't that it wasn't demanding, but I didn't have a nine to five job to go to. I wasn't answering to anybody else. So if I had to call a customer and cancel or change a pickup time or something, I could do that. It wasn't necessarily easy, but I could do it. So the flexibility was really a big part of it, I think. Another reason I stayed in it was that it gave me a really good balance of creativity and process. So I am both right and left brain. I can be, or I enjoy creativity. I'm not an artist, but I enjoy creativity. And at the same time in running this business, I had a certain degree of doing super creative, amazing things all the time. And then I had this other part of it where I had to like intellectually work through the process of how do I get this cake to stand up or how do I get this business to run better or how do I figure out how to pay people or whatever. And so there was a certain joy in the fact that that business or any kind of, I think, creative business really gets to stimulate both your right side brain and your left side brain. You get to do both of those things together. And I love that. And the last reason I stuck with it for so long is because I absolutely love people. So I loved my employees. I loved my customers. They were not all easy, right? There was definitely times where I'm like, oh my God, this business would be so much easier with no customers and no employees. So people was hard, but I love people. And one of the things that I loved was I like, I loved hearing my customer stories about, you know, why they were ordering what they were ordering and what they were hoping to see from it and all that kind of stuff. So I loved their stories. I loved seeing my employees grow and thrive and learn new things and challenge themselves. And I love people's stories. I really, really do. I love not only getting to listen to them and the great privilege that comes with listening to their stories, but I also love getting to be a part of those stories. And that just felt like such an honor to me that I could be a part of someone's story. You know, if I sent an employee off to pastry school, that made me feel amazing that I could be part of their future and part of them learning something new and part of them getting great joy out of picking up those new skills, you know? So those are all the reasons that I stuck with it. But then the next part of our question is tell me about the process of ending it or selling it. So... I guess that there's a couple of different reasons behind that. The primary reason was that I knew it wasn't forever. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier in this podcast that I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do forever. I knew I didn't want to be standing in a kitchen when I was 40. I knew that the intellectual stimulation wasn't going to be there for me. I knew that physically I would find it unbelievably difficult to endure for too long. It's a physically demanding job in the extreme, right? Not only are you on your feet all day, but you're carrying heavy cake and you're bending over and you're looking at things that are small. And to this day, I actually have a bit of arthritis in my wrists from all the piping and stuff. So I knew that it was not forever. That was probably the main part of the process was coming to that realization and accepting that realization. And then kind of other stuff started to happen. So I started to feel Eh, perhaps not resentful, but I started to feel like, oh, it's another week and another cake. 
or, oh, look, cupcakes, how exciting, you know? And I started to feel myself getting, resentful is not the right word. I'm going to say complacent about it. And instead of getting excited about the new designs we were doing or the new products we were doing or whatever, I just started to kind of go like, oh yeah, here we go again. Oh, look, more cake, you know? Oh, look, got to make ganache again for the 800th time. I didn't like that feeling. Uh, Like another week, another cake just started to feel so draining on my soul. I just, I hated that feeling. And then I had the blog and the blog excited me a lot. I had emails every day from people saying, thank you for being honest. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for helping me out, whatever. I had other people in the industry who were decorators, who were sending me beautiful, amazing, positive feedback. It got very ooh shiny and it was intellectually stimulating and it was interesting. And the pull of that intellectual excitement was very hard to fight the tide against for sure. And something I've probably not talked about before is one of the other reasons I started to get to the stage of like, oh, maybe it's time to get out of here was the industry got very crowded. So towards the last two years of Three Sweeties, that's when all those crazy cake shows came on TV. And that's when we started to notice an insane influx of the cheap cake lady, the home-based cake lady, or the unregistered cake guy, because they're not all ladies. So it got a lot harder to deal with a crowded industry. You know, when you're the first at something, that lasts for quite a long time. And that reputation counts for a lot. So it's not like business went bad. But I started to get really frustrated at how much I had to fight against the tide of these unregistered people or these people who were undercharging or these people who were like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to whack this cake together and do it for ingredients only. Now, I don't believe that that's a real problem in the long term, but in the short term, it started to wear me down a little bit. And the endless requests for, Michelle, can I take you for a coffee? Really started to grate on me. And the people who were really good customers of mine who would bring me disasters that their neighbor made and want me to fix it. That was just rough. And I was charging 75 bucks an hour for me to fix your neighbor's disaster, but it's kind of soul destroying. I don't really want to stand there on a Saturday when I could be with my kids. Maybe I'm making a bunch of money fixing your mess. But I really would have rather you just ordered from me in the beginning because you know I'm reliable. So yeah, that I struggled with that, to be honest. I didn't love it. And I didn't love that professionalism was falling apart. And it was the driver for me starting the blog for sure. But also being confronted with that every day became exhausting. And I think the last thing that probably really pushed me towards thinking like, okay, Michelle, it's time to start thinking about this selling thing is I found myself fantasizing about walking away. I found myself thinking, you know, I'd lay in bed in the morning and I'd be running an hour late and I'd go, what if I didn't show up today? Now, I've since learned, by the way, that there's a word for this in therapy and psychological circles called intrusive thoughts, which is when you like think crazy stuff, which you would never or you hope you would never actually act on. But it's like, If you've ever been on the freeway, like driving down the freeway and you think to yourself, what would happen if I just veered off into that lane next to me? Or, you know, what would happen if I just, you know, you go for a hike and you're like, what would happen if I just like jumped off this cliff? It's not that you're actually suicidal or have a death wish. It's just that you have these intrusive thoughts, which are just kind of extreme thoughts about things that you don't really mean, but the brain just kind of goes there. And 
In case you're curious, actually, I just listened to a really great podcast about this. It's an episode, it's a podcast show called Invisibilia, which I believe is a Canadian podcast. And they just did a whole episode or they have a whole episode about this very topic of intrusive thoughts. And it's very, very fascinating. The episode is actually called The Secret History of Thoughts. So if you get a chance to listen to Invisibilia, The Secret History of Thoughts, you should, because it talks about these intrusive thoughts. So I started to have quite a few intrusive thoughts about the business. Like, what if I just walked away? What if I just torched the place, you know, down? What if I literally just washed my hands when I'm sick of this and I just disappeared off to Mexico for six months? And those are not pleasant thoughts to think. So that's probably made me realize it was getting towards time to move on. Quite honestly, it was not easy to leave. I was planning for it. I was building it. I was doing all the right things in the direction of leaving, but it wasn't easy at all. But my heart and my soul knew that it was time. Both my heart and my soul were really pretty tired. And I had then, and I have now, no regrets at all about walking away from Three Sweeties or selling it to somebody else and letting them do their thing with it. It was a tough choice to make, but it was a choice that in my heart of hearts, I knew was necessary to make. And to be honest, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for everything that I learned there. I mean, I took everything I learned during the course of that 10 years and I applied it to this blog, you know, as well as a lot of extra education since then. But if I hadn't lived through that incredibly rewarding, challenging, educating, amazing 10 years, then I wouldn't be able to do what I do today. So... I very much see Three Sweeties as the bedrock or the stepping stone which got me to this level, at least in the beginning. And I'm enormously grateful for that. And I will always be enormously grateful for that because it really is the thing that led to the next thing. And now we just have to see where this leads, right? So thank you so much for that question about, you know, why did I stay in it and how did I get out of it? And what was it like being in it? Because it's been really nice to actually remember those times and remember that life. And I truly loved it. I had my challenging days or weeks for sure. No business is easy all the time, but I truly, truly loved every moment of it. And I'm so grateful that I got to experience it. And I'm so grateful that the timing worked out that I was able to sell the business and I was able to walk out in a way that was on my terms and that I was happy with. So I have much to be grateful for. And this little walk down memory lane has been really interesting for me. So thank you so much for that question. I really loved it. And if you've ever got any questions for me, you're more than welcome to send me an email. It's michelle at thebizofbaking.com. I'm always happy to hear from you guys. It's been a real pleasure sharing the story today. So I hope you enjoyed listening to it and I'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Business of Baking podcast. You can find show notes, links, and other fun stuff for this and previous episodes at thebizofbaking.com. Until next time, may your oven stay evenly hot, your ganache never split, and may you always be in the business of being awesome.